Hello and welcome to Series 6 of the Bible and Me podcast by Preset Ministries. We hope this podcast can bless you in your day-to-day life as you listen to a range of testimonies about God's faithfulness within the lives of so many. The views expressed in this podcast don't necessarily reflect that of Preset Ministries UK. But without further ado, here's the podcast. really uh, thrilled and delighted to be interviewing Richard Sandy today uh, for our Bible and Me podcast. Richard is a man after my own heart, having been in British Army and also a keen sportsman, I have to say. Uh, Richard's from a military background, uh, was commissioned into the Royal Engineers uh, in the mid-60s. He had a full career serving in many parts of the world, including Northern Ireland and the Middle East. Uh, Richard's a very accomplished sportsman, uh, captain of both the Army and Combined Service Hockey teams. He's also had an England trial too at one stage. Since retiring from the Army, Richard's been involved with many Christian organisations, including being chair of the Bible Society uh, from 2007 to 2011. He's married to Sonia. They have two grandchildren. Uh, Richard, welcome to the programme. Thank you. Now, Richard, um, how did you come to faith in Christ, and, and why do you follow Jesus? Well, it's going back a a few years. Um, It was while I was uh, studying as a cadet at at Sandhurst. Um, And inevitably, um, a woman was involved and uh, another man. And the woman happened to be the lady who is now my wife. I I met her at a a London party that uh, I I went to as a cadet met her there and we started going out together and um, she worked in London but her her home was in Arborfield which is not far from Sandhurst and so at the weekends yeah at at the weekends she would go down to um, to her home in Arborfield and after we'd been going out for a while I was invited to go over there on a Sunday after after chapel at Sandhurst uh, to have lunch with her aunt and grandmother. And uh, that was a great treat as a, as a young cadet to go to a home-cooked roast with homemade apple pie with custard and cream. The um, man's heart. It, absolutely. <laughs> and obviously the, the aunt and grandmother thought I was acceptable. But, um, and I would then take her back up to London to her flat in London so she could start work as long as I was back in Santos by midnight but I couldn't go straight after lunch because um, this young lady Sonia, now my wife used to go to a thing called a Bible study and um, if I wanted to take her back up to London I would have to go with her to this Bible study which was run by a, a a delightful elderly couple. He was a retired brigadier, and his wife was a lovely lady, carried the most enormous red Bible. And um, the first time I appeared at this Bible, uh, Bible study, this lady came up to me and said, Are you a friend of Sonia's? I said, Well, yes, we've just started um, meeting and going out together. Is it serious? Um, well, I mean, we're uh, in early days yet, yes. Her next question rather floored me. Are you saved? Um, from what? I said. 
Clearly not, she said. <laughs> so, <laughs> Get out of my house. Yeah. So from then on, um, through this Bible study, um, she would start uh, investigating and questioning me. And uh, this went on for, for several months. And I kept coming back with a different answer. You know, I'm, and what about this? You know, I, I don't understand this. How, how do you know about this? Uh, various questions. And she said, Richard, you can keep asking questions for the rest of your life. At some stage, you've got to make a decision. Right, right. And then one evening when I dropped um, Sonia back in, uh, in London, I came back to Santos to my room to find my roommate. At that stage, we were sharing rooms. My roommate was waiting up for me. And uh, I could see from his face when I got in there that something had happened to him. And he told me he'd just committed his life to the Lord. And clearly something dramatic had happened to him. And it was something that I hadn't got. And I desperately wanted whatever it was he got. That man was Jeremy Clare, um, who subsequently became best man at our wedding and, and who we've, we've kept in, in close contact with since. He had a fairly dramatic conversion after one of these Bible, society, Bible studies that he'd also gone to with another girl. So that started me, and that's when, eventually, I was able to say to this lady, I'm ready to make a decision. Right, she said, we'll go and pray. Right, you can pray to God. I said, what shall I, what, what, what shall I pray? You pray whatever you want to say to God. So I there, there and then made my commitment to the Lord. Um, and uh, it's transformed my life, as, um, as all of those who found the Lord find. Um, and realizing all that God has done and what Jesus has been through for me, I want to live my life in serving him now. Um, and that's what I've done uh, for the rest of my, my life. So what is it about Jesus that you follow? Why do you follow Jesus? Well, he's given, he's given purpose to my life. Uh, he's, he's been there so many times during my life. He's been there to support me, guide me uh, at critical times in, in my life. Um, and we've got this final hope of um, of where we go uh, in in life, and it's very interesting. In only in yesterday's paper, there was an article um, in the Times newspaper about people searching for the meaning of life, um, and they're trying all sorts of ways to try and find meaning of life. And they said young people don't find it, you know, and get into old age, and people start thinking about where what's my life it's been all about. All about? Yeah. Um, we as Christians. We have that, that certainty, that hope, um, and the Lord with us in, in all that we do. Fantastic. I mean, it's interesting, isn't it, uh, how the Lord works. So clearly, you know, using Sonia to yeah. draw you into a Bible study, and then that quite, that quite forthright lady challenging you yeah. about, are you saved? I mean, yeah. Something you're told, you know, and that's not the way to approach yeah. someone, yeah. but I needed, that was the approach I needed. Yeah. God thought he needs to be confronted. Yes. Um, yes. And um, she confronted me. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I had a similar experience um, at um, confirmation at school, and the chaplain, just before we'd been confirmed, um, 
said, do you give your life to Christ the week before we were due to be confirmed? I thought, yes, I do, but I'm not quite sure what it, what, you know, what's going to come of this. Yeah. So, so isn't that interesting? So sometimes, if you're listening here, and the Holy Spirit prompts you, if you are a believer, to, to challenge others, then, then yeah. I'd just say, go for it. So, yeah. wonderful. Now, uh, you were head boy at your school, obviously just before going to Sandhurst in Petersfield, and shortly after that you went to Sandhurst, age 19, commissioned into the Royal Engineers, um, and we know that commanding soldiers, because that's of course what you do when you're commissioned, uh, is not the easiest thing in the world, uh, but you're a new Christian now, um, that you've just explained, and commanding soldiers as well, so was that a challenge? It was a challenge, um, and as a new, as a young new Christian, you're very aware of your responsibilities as a Christian, um, and all that you've had revealed to you. Um, and I was posted uh, to Singapore straight after my uh, young officer course, as a twenty twenty year old at this stage. No, twenty one, twenty one year old. I went to, sent to Singapore, where I took over my troop of some uh, just 30 soldiers. And having got to Singapore, they then said, Richard, your troop is going off to build um, a missile firing range off the northern coast of Borneo. Um, it's a deserted island. Uh, you'll sail there with all your troop and your soldiers and all your equipment build this missile range and there'll be a couple of professors who will come along to do all the technical stuff um, and you'll be there for three weeks it took four days sailing from Singapore to get off to the northern coast of Borneo just before you get to the Philippines and on board this ship there was um, a British crew with some Chinese Malay sailors all of my soldiers most of whom were older than me and obviously my senior NCOs were older than me. And uh, I thought, it's four days sailing. That's going to cover Sunday. Um, I wonder if the captain's going to hold a service. So I went to ask the captain, are you going to hold a service on Sunday? What? He said, no, no, why? why? Uh, oh, well, um, uh, could, I, could I hold one? You want to hold a service? On the, on the ship? Um, yes. Well, OK, if you want to do that, yes, I'll, you can have my cabin and, um, and, and, and suite. You can hold it there. Right, thank you. And then I thought, what have I let myself in for? <laughs> but I thought, I need to do this, you know. If I was at home, I would, I would want to go to church. And I felt it was the right thing I should be doing. So I announced to everyone that I was going to hold this service. And I then had no, no music. I had a, a, a prayer book with some hymns. I wrote out some words, a couple of choruses, um, verses from some what I thought were well-known hymns. Um, and uh, told everyone when, what time the service was on Sunday. And then went on the day, got into the captain's cabin there, and waited. No one came. No one came. And I thought, I'm sure, Lord, that you wanted me to hold this. And then suddenly, about half a dozen of my soldiers sheepishly walked in. 
uh, and and entered. And I handed them all the pieces of paper with my... And I went through a, a very, very brief informal service, um, open with a prayer. I said we will sing a couple of verses of a hymn. There wasn't much singing there were from the others. I was um, the one who was singing. There were a few murmurs of people trying to... Um, I then gave a reading from the Bible, and then I just explained briefly why Jesus came. Um, and then prayed for them all and for our mission, and, and finished. And I said, that's, that's the end. And then they all sort of filed out, except for one chap who, who sort of hung back a bit and picked up the pieces of paper. And he came up to me before he left, and he said, Sir, when, when you prayed, you didn't read it, did you? I said, no. C can you pray without, without reading a prayer? I said, no, prayer is just talking to God. We have the ability to talk to God, direct to God, and he listens to us. And I never knew that, sir. Can I pray? I said, yes, you can pray if you want. Oh, thank you, sir. Shall I pray for you? Oh, would you, sir? So I prayed for him, and he went. Now, I don't know what happened as a result, but I'm sure that chap will think about that that moment. Um, well, that's amazing. I mean, good on you. 20 years old, on a ship, you know, probably the captain's never been asked that before. <laughs> I mean, really, I mean, putting your head above the parapet with all those soldiers. Um, yeah. Yeah, so they knew they knew from the get-go that you were a believer, you were a follower of Christ, yeah. and um, yeah. And I've tried, to, you know, I've tried to ensure it's much easier in, um, well, I think in all work walks of life, if people know from the start yeah. that, that you're a Christian. You don't have to overtly declare, I am a Christian, yeah. but there are ways of, ways yes, I mean, normally people say, Oh, you go to church on Sunday, you know, that's usually a way. But uh, So I've tried to ensure. And actually, um, in the military, because it's a hierarchical system, the more senior you get, um, the easier in many ways it is. And certainly when I was commanding a squadron in Cyprus, um, it's very much easier to put over a Christian viewpoint. Um, now, you served in Northern Ireland in the 70s during yeah. the Troubles. What was, what was that like? Well, scary, I think. Um, I was 24, 25 mm -hmm. when I went there. We went, the first time I went, um, as infantry. Mm -hmm. So out on the roads, patrolling the streets, mm -hmm. dealing with riot situations, people throwing petrol bombs and um, at you. Uh, it was scary. Mm -hmm. um, and so uh, praying about uh, about the situation and praying for the Lord's protection was was hugely comforting for me. Uh, to be able to do that, um, but it was it was scary because. Did you, did you lose any, any people? No, no, we didn't. Um, not on that tour. Yeah. Um, um, we were in in Belfast. Um, there were there were shooting incidents and people were were killed, and some of our soldiers had to open fire, um, but um, we didn't lose anyone on that one, um, and in fact we had more more problems from um, uh, the Protestant UDA than, um, than IRA. How, how, how was your faith tested at that time? Um, 
Well, I suppose, you know, the fact that you were in that situation um, and it was a four-month tour, four months away from home. Sonia was at home with a, um, our first child, our daughter, who was less than a year old. Um, so it was difficult, um, yeah. struggle time. Um, and as, at the time, there was no other Christians that um, in the unit that I was with, although my my come up my officer commanding was um, was very sympathetic. Mm. Um, but in fact, on one of my patrols at night with um, uh, with my a group of soldiers, we were walking down the the road and we came across this group of youngsters, young people walking down the road. So we stopped them just to ask where they'd been and what they were doing. Mm. And they said they were just been to a Bible study meeting. Mm. And uh, so I said, well, I'm a a Christian. They said, you're a Christian in the army. I don't know. As though, you know, how can you have a Christian in the army? Um, so that was an encouraging sort of moment to, yeah, yeah. to meet them now, on the street. Yeah, yeah. Now, you undertook many appointments in the army during your career, uh, including being a company commander at the Royal Military Academy Santos. For those of you listening that don't know what that is, that organisation is, that's where people go to become officers in the army. And your company was awarded sovereign's company status. Uh, does that mean you got to go and have tea at Buckingham Palace? Uh, no, I mean it, it, it's it, it's a result of all the the sort of competitions that each company runs um, as part of the the, the cadets training, um, and our company won all but one of the competitions in in that particular year, um, and. Um, so we were awarded the Sovereign's Company, and it means that on the commissioning parades, the Sovereign Company carries the, um, um, the flag and the Sovereign's banner. Now, now I'm, I'm sort of putting two and two together here, because you are a, a very keen sportsman. Um, hockey was your primary sport. Um, and I'm guessing that competitive edge that you had was sort of uh, infiltrated into your company. And... Uh, which is why you won all this competition. Now, what, what did sport teach you in the forces? Um, obviously, you played at a high level. You played for the Army, captain the Army, and the combined services team. So it's the best of the best in the, in the armed forces, and you even had an England trial. Uh, what did sport teach you in the forces? Did you go on tour with, with any of the teams? And why is sport so valued in the military, do you think? Well, the first the first part is, is fitness. Um, the... That is something that um, is essential for for any soldier uh, in the army. Um, so playing sport is is certainly good for the for the fitness, um, and and certainly for me, um, fitness. I was very fortunate to be fit um, throughout my my career. Didn't suffer any major um, injuries, um, but that as playing as part of a team, um, working with others learning how to relate with others, identifying individual skills, um, uh, all of that is part of teamwork um, and playing sport. Learning how to lose? Learning how to lose, uh, <laughs> yes, um, and uh, being, um, being generous in, in defeat. Um, yeah. And, uh, yes, I, I went on, on several tours to um, uh, mainly between Germany and a number of competitions in, in UK and Germany, but also in Cyprus and, and Hong Kong, mm. um, playing sport. Mm. Um, but playing at the level I did, I was playing against um, these top national players in the, and who were Olympic 
um, Olympic players, some of these playing for their clubs, the yeah. clubs we were playing playing for, mm. came, came, across, came across a number of um, those who'd been in our British Olympic team, yeah. hockey team. So, um, yeah. so, I mean, sport is really valued in the military, isn't it? It is, yeah. yeah. I, I think one of the things for me, um, it's you experience things on a sports pitch, whether that's hockey or tennis, that... Um, you know, um, fear, anxiety, um, there are emotions that you feel on a sports pitch that are as close to the emotions that you might experience in an operational environment, mm -hmm. aren't are there? So I yeah. think, uh, you, I mean, you mentioned fitness and all those other things, but, but I, yeah. think, I think it, it, yeah, there's so many benefits to sport, teamwork, yeah. leadership, I remember the, when I was captaining the the army side, and obviously the the major uh, the pinnacle of the um, the army season is playing in the inter services competition against the Royal Air Force and the and the Royal Navy, yeah. and captaining the side. And we were playing against the Royal Air Force. Um, we'd beaten the Royal Navy, and we were playing the Royal Air Force. Um, and if we won that one, then we'd win that year's yeah. inter services. Yeah. Um, and it was one all, and. Uh, then we were awarded a penalty flick, um, and as captain, I uh, stepped forward to, to take the penalty flick, knowing that um, this could win it or or or, or lose. Yeah. And fortunately, oh, it, it, yeah, you it went it. in. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, I'm right with you there, Richard. Oh, yeah. I'm right with you there. I, I know that feeling. Beating the Royal Air Force. Yes. <laughs> Now, on leaving the army, you became a trustee of the Bible Society. Um, tell us about your work uh, with the Bible Society, uh, how you became a trustee, and then you, you were a chair, the chair of the Bible Society. Yes, I, as a Christian, clearly the Bible is, is, is fundamental to, to my life as a Christian. It's, a, it's essential, as far as I'm concerned, in uh, learning uh, more about um, the, the Lord who I serve. Um, um, and so when I left the army, I wasn't sure what I was going to do, but I wasn't ready to retire, retire, because, yeah. as you know, when in the army you retired at 55, which is not a, an old age. Uh, <laughs> and so I was, I was not ready to pack up and put my slippers on. Um, and I saw a job advertised for CEO of the Bible Society, amongst other um, jobs that I applied for. And so I applied for this this job, and um, I got through the initial interview, then the second interview, and got in through to the final interview. And there were three of us: um, one who was the the then deputy CEO of the Bible Society, myself, and a chap from Harper and Collins, um, who um, who is in the publishing world. Yes. Um, and you had to give a presentation and uh, give a, your uh, vision for the future of Bible Society, and, and it was quite an in-depth um, um, interview with in front of the whole of this board of trustees, the then board of trustees. And uh, at the end of the presentation and my interview, the chairman said, um, uh, "Louise, would you just play, pray for Richard?" Um, and she prayed the most wonderful prayer. And I was just overwhelmed that the Lord has got his hand on, on this. Whatever the result, 
I know it will be the Lord's hand on the disappointment. So I left, really feeling, you know, a real sense that, that the, the Lord had actually been there present at that. Anyway, I got a phone call that evening from the chair of the board saying, Richard, I'm sorry we didn't select you as CEO. It's actually gone to um, uh, James Catford, who was the, the man from HarperCollins. It was his publishing experience in particular that, uh, that we wanted and that but we feel that you have so much to offer Bible Society. I hope you don't think this, this is in any way is um, uh, a sort of second um, choice, but would you be willing to come on our board as a trustee? And I said, I'd be absolutely delighted to, to come on. So I joined the board uh, of, of um, the Bible Society at that stage, went through an induction process, and then... Um, served for three years as a trustee, and then they asked me to to assume the job of deputy chair. Mm -hmm. You do two years as deputy chair, yeah. and then you do three years as chair, yeah. and then you do a final one year as deputy chair okay. to see in the... Um, and I did that, and then subsequently I went through the process again, and then in the end, did seven or eight years as deputy chair, seeing in a changeover of chair, yeah, yeah. Um, and served altogether 16 years as, oh, wow. as trustee. Give people a flavour for what the Bible Society does. I mean, how old is the organisation? Where do they operate? It, it was formed in 1802, um, and um, in, uh, with the, the view of, of making the Bible available to everyone. Right. That was the... That was the the charter it's a royal charter to make the bible available to everyone mm. so the initial role of bible society and still the main purpose of bible society is to make the bible available to everyone that means pre printing it distributing it in all the languages where people need it mm. i mean the bible there are over five thousand six thousand languages yeah. in and at the moment only only a half, less than a half, have been translated. The Bible have been translated. Hmm. But um, uh, in addition to now, the Bible Society, in addition to actually distributing the Bible, is getting people to engage with the Bible. Because okay. most, most people in this country have Bibles in their homes, which probably never opened, and it's getting people to engage with the Bible. Yeah. Um, and there are various schemes now throughout the world um, that um, getting people to engage through their Bible societies uh, to engage with the Bible. Um, a local one that uh, we have in, in this country now, Open the Book, um, in to reaching into primary schools yes. Yes, uh, to get people to engage with the, with the Bible and yeah. acting out Bible stories for, yeah. for young children and kids. And then, um, and then from that, while serving with the Bible Society, I was then invited uh, uh, to apply for uh, membership of the United Bible Society, which is the global um, organization for which you have to be voted on by the, by the, the whole of the International Fellowship. Mm. And I was, uh, I was voted on uh, and became deputy chair of the uh, of the UBS and that took me all around the world visiting bible societies in china in many countries in africa middle east pakistan india the states 
um, and seeing what the Bible societies in those countries are doing um, to, to make the Bible available to, uh, to their people. And there's some amazing st stories that I, I mean, they're, they're, I don't know whether we've got time for me to tell one. Um, I went to Ethiopia uh, with the Bible Society. We were taking some Bibles to give to, um, to prisoners in, in um, Ethiopia um, in two different languages, Amharic and Oromo, which are two of the main languages in Ethiopia. Went to Addis Ababa and then drove down to a prison about uh, two hours' drive out of Addis Ababa into this prison compound with machine guns on the on the guard towers in the corners, into this open compound with all the prisoners milling around. And they were in two groups. One were um, a group of Orthodox, uh, Ethiopian Orthodox Christians. Another group were Evangelical Christians. And uh, we went and presented and gave out Bibles to these groups, and, and I shared a word from the Bible to each group. And then we had a quick opportunity to speak to some of these prisoners. And one chap in particular I remember talking to um, in this evangelical group afterwards. The guards were at the doors, obviously, but we were there talking with the, these prisoners. And this chap, I said, well, what are you in here for? He said, well, I, I killed someone as a young man. I got in there very angry and, and killed someone. I've, I've been given a life sentence. And he said, I came in here, I lost everything. My family don't want any contact with me. I'm in here with a life sentence, no future, nothing. He said, I, I got hold of one of the Bibles that a, a previous visit had given to me and started reading it and read about this man, Jesus Christ. And he said that he would forgive me my sins. And uh, I said, well, w can he forgive me? Um, and I, I committed my life to him and asked him to forgive my sins. And I believe he's forgiven me my sins. And he said, from that moment on, my life has changed. I now have hope. I know um, what I did was wrong, and I've got to be punished for that. For that but now my life has been changed. I even have hope that my sentence might be reduced, he said. And there was a big smile on that chap's face. He has got hope. He knows that he's, his sins have been forgiven, even this chap. Um, and I thought, you know, there is nothing f more powerful than seeing the change in an individual's life that, um, that um, Jesus has brought through reading the Bible in his case and hearing about uh, Jesus. So he may be incarcerated, but the chains are, yeah. the chains are, are off. Are loose. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely yeah. fantastic. Now, um, with your military background and links to the Middle East, uh, because you were uh, the defence attaché, weren't you, in, yes. in Jordan uh, for a period of time, uh, interesting place to be. Um, how would you characterise your time being the defence attaché, military attaché in, in Jordan? I, I would say that's been my most enjoyable tour of my whole army career. Um, as a, as a defence attaché, you are the the representative of the head of the armed forces in our country to the head of the armed forces in the country in yeah. Jordan. Yeah. Um, and so I had regular access to the head of the, the armed forces in Jordan. Yeah. 
And at that time, particularly, I was very fortunate because at the time King Hussein was dying um, and his successor was expected to be his brother, which was changed at the last moment to nominate his son, Abdullah, to become king. Abdullah, up until that time, was serving in their army and he was someone I'd got to know well. I was constantly visiting him in his office, going out on exercises, visiting troops with him. Um, and suddenly, he was nominated as king. Um, and uh, even after becoming king, for the first six, seven months of his, his reign as king, he would once a week come back into his military office and we'd meet up. Um, and and um, he was trained at Sandhurst and um, served with the British unit for, for 18 months. And uh, so when I would go into his office, initially, as a, an army officer, I'd go in, say, morning, brigadier, and he'd brace up and say, morning, colonel. And then after he was king, I'd go into his office and I'd have to remember, morning, your majesty. And he'd brace up and say, morning, colonel. <laughs> and... Um, so we've had that kept that link with. Were there any opportunities to share your faith? Not directly with him, but with members of his family. Yes, yeah. yeah, and we've kept the link with the with his family. Because really? his mother was the English wife of King Hussein, yeah. and her father, so the king's grandfather, was a sapper, and he was living out in Jordan, yeah. in the palace while I was there. So it was um, fascinating yeah, yeah. time. But now. Um, you had strong links with a military um, charity, Military Ministries International. Uh, in 2015, you visited the town of Erbil in north Iraq uh, during uh, fighting going on with ISIS. Um, what was that like? That again was, um, again, I felt that the Lord had really opened that door for me. Um, I had contact with a, uh, a Jordanian Christian who was, who was working uh, with refugees in Erbil at the time. Um, and uh, I came across him and happened to mention to him, back in this country, I happened to mention to him, did he know of any Christians in the military out there? And he said, oh, yes, there are Christians. And I said, well, our ministry is to Christians in the armed forces. He said, well, if you'd like to come with me to Erbil, I'll introduce you to them. I said, right, well, we'll do this. Well, he then said, the next time I'm going is on this date. Will you um, let me know if you want to come? As we got nearer and nearer the date, I thought, oh, gosh, um, should I go or not? And he said, well, look, I need an answer by tomorrow. Uh, I need an answer. And I said, well, can I give you an answer tomorrow um, as to whether or not I'm, I'm going? Because only a week before, there'd been um, a car bomb against the American embassy in, in Erbil. The fighting was only some 30, 40 miles west of Erbil where ISIS was fighting. And the Kurdish Peshmerga were, were very involved in the fighting there. My wife was very concerned uh, about me thinking of going. She was not at all happy that I went. So I, I, I prayed really earnestly that night, Lord, if you want me to go, please give me clear guidance as to whether or not I should, I should go. And the next morning, when I knew I'd have to give this chap uh, yeah. uh, an answer, I got my daily Bible guide open for that date, which was, I think it was the 29th of August. And on that, the heading was Christ's Ambassadors. 
and um, it was a passage from um, I can't remember. I think it was I think it was Corinthians, uh, but I can't remember exactly um, the passage. But um, in the notes that accompanied it, it says sometimes you are in a position where only you can take the message, even if that means you having to travel. And I thought, it cannot, <laughs> it cannot be made more clear. I called Sonia in. I said, Sonia, here's today's... Th- yeah. Read what that says. What do you and, think I should do? <laughs> and she said, well, you have to go. Oh. So I went um, and there met um, some wonderful Christians, committed believers, Kurds who are um, serving the Lord, one in particular, a senior officer, who is directly involved in the conflict with ISIS, um, running um, a house group, a Bible study group in his house for, for young uh, soldiers. Oh, yeah. um, well, I'm sure you were a huge encouragement to him. Well, that yes, yeah. and subsequently, Abir was able to invite them to uh, to a, a Christian conference in yeah. Cyprus, yeah. further encouraging them and, and linking them up with other Christians in the region. Yeah. Now, um, we talked a little bit about the Bible so far, but why why is the Bible important to you, Richard? Well, as a as a Christian. As a believer in God and in his son, Jesus Christ, um, the Bible is essential, I believe, um, to living my my life. It tells me more about the God that I serve. Um, it provides teaching. It provides encouragement. It provides hope um, and direction um, for my life. Um, and I cannot, I, I cannot do without the Bible. Um, I have a daily Bible reading guide, um, which which I use. Um, I have a house group meeting once a week where we we study the Bible, um, different themes and passages from the Bible. Um, so I want to be immersed in the Bible. Um, you, I cannot live a Christian life without without Amen. the Bible. Amen. You talk about being immersed in the Bible. There. Those listening, um, I mean, obviously. You're involved in the Bible Society as a ministry. Our, our, um, our heart is to equip people with tools and skills to study the Bible. Uh, and for those of you that may be listening that, that struggle to do that, then I, I just want to mention uh, something that we do as a ministry that you may be interested in. Uh, we run a Bible school. It's called a Preset Bible School. We do that in London. We do that in Salisbury. We do that in Glasgow. Um, and... I don't know about you, Richard, but but often we can fight. We come across Christians who go to church, you know, routinely go to church. But mm-hmm. but are they really engaged themselves with reading and studying mm-hmm. the Word of God? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Um, in the same way that you have been out traveling, you've seen people and the impact that the Bible's had on people's lives. Uh, we see that too. Um, so if you're interested in that, please contact us um, at Preset Ministries UK. We'd be delighted to help you. Now, how do you? I know that you you speak occasionally and. and preach whatever how, how do you study it how do you go about studying it uh, well other than um, other than through the, the house groups and my bible reading mm-hmm. um, that's, if you're going to preach a message oh right you know, you're given a passage yes to preach from yes how would you go about doing that how do you do that because um, there's a difference between reading it, yes. reading the Bible, and actually yeah. you know, studying it. I have a I have a study Bible, um, uh, an ESV study Bible, yeah. which which I use. Um, 
uh, clearly prayer is is fundamental um, to seek the Lord's guiding and uh, the Lord's inspiration for for it, particularly uh, if I'm preaching um, that um, you know I only want to say what what the Lord gives me. Um, um, it it's um, I I don't feel that um, preaching is is a particular. Um, uh, a gift of mine. Um, I, I mean, I do um, on Remembrance Days. I, I do. I remember my f the first time I ever pro preached in church um, in a church service in um, in the Duke of York's uh, school on their um, um, end of term service. Um, quite a formal occasion. I was sitting in the choir stalls, ready to go up. Absolutely petrified. Suddenly, overcome with, I don't know what I don't know what I'm going to say. I, everything's gone. How am I going to start? I was. I thought I'll have to feign illness and and <laughs> and go, go. And uh, I just just gave up. Uh, oh, uh, uh, yes, prayers, and then got up, and suddenly, you know, you were there. Uh, there. But. Um, yeah, but um, I have a study Bible that I find really, really helpful, um, um, which I which I use, uh, and, and also when I'm preparing for, for leading house group. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We use a thing called the inductive study method, which is very good, very simple. Observing the text carefully, asking questions of the text: Who's this about? You know, what are they talking about? Where are they? Um, mm -hmm. Then interpreting it in its context, whose context is so important. Yeah. And then how do you live it out? You know, applying what we're learning. Yeah. Um, do you have a favourite Bible book or character at all? Yeah, Joshua. Joshua. Yeah. No hesitation there. Why, why yeah. Well, yeah, a, a military man, and um, <laughs> but also it, it one verse eight. Um, yeah. Do you want to read that? Oh, I'm not it here. Um, One verse eight, not letting the word of God. Um, I thought I'd. I thought I'd. No, I haven't. Um, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. Oh, there I have. Do you read it? Yeah. Do not. Uh, do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it, then you will be prosperous and successful. Um, so, Why is that uh, your favourite verse? Because, because I have found it to be, be true, that um, you know, if, I, if I do what it says and know that I'm, I'm doing what the Lord wants, mm -hmm. then I know that it's going to be the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. I mean, this prosperous and successful... Um, I'm not a prosperity gospel yeah. person. It's yeah. not. It doesn't mean. No, no. Um, doesn't mean that. No. no. It 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 means that uh, it, you'll be um, doing the right thing by God. Um, so, that's my favourite verse. Um, yeah. And. Uh, yeah. Excellent. Now, um, what is next for Richard Sandy? Well, I'm I'm very much seeking the Lord at, at the moment about this because um, last year I gave up um, 
my responsibilities with Bible Society and with MMI. So I've, I've given up those responsibilities. But I... MMI, Military... Ministries International. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because there was a lot of travelling involved in both those organisations, yes. and um, it's time anyway that someone else takes over sure. those. Uh, but I'm not... I, I have time, and I'm fortunate enough to be fit still, yeah. um, to take on something else, and I've been a actively considering... Um, other avenues of Christian work locally or perhaps you know on, on a board somewhere um, with international organization um, to where the Lord wants me but I'm very much praying for, for the Lord to guide me in where I go and what I do next meanwhile I'm I'm playing a bit of golf <laughs> keeping myself fit um, enjoying the children yeah. Yeah. having the occasional holiday, occasional yeah. holiday. Well, Richard, um, you have had a very um, long and distinguished uh, career, not just in the army, but uh, having left the army, uh, serving the Lord in, in, in incredible ways. We could have gone on talking for a lot, a lot longer, I'm sure, about all sorts of stories, different countries, different yeah. situations, um, and about how the Lord has led you over this time. But I think what struck me is your initial um, comments about when you were sort of 18 or 19, uh, going out with Sonia. I mean, I resonate with that because Molly used the Lord used my wife now, Molly, in a very similar way. Um, but that right from the get-go, you were not afraid to make it known that you were a Christian. Mm -hmm. um, you know, offering to have a service on a boat going from Singapore to Borneo. <laughs> but praise the Lord, six people came along, mm -hmm. and I think I think uh, maybe one of the themes that's come out of this is that. Um, we are to live out our Christian life in a, in a public way. And sometimes that's not always easy. But that as mm. we step out in faith, yeah. God is always there. Mm -hmm. And he's there to lead and to guide. And to uh, and fruit can come from that. Mm. Um, so thank you so much. Uh, and uh, I'm really interested, because obviously we go to church together uh, to see... Uh, what the Lord has got next for you, because they say, you know, there's no retirement no, in the for time Christians. of war. Ecclesiastes no. talks about that. Um, so thank you so much for being on the podcast today, and uh, the Lord bless you. Thank you. Thank you, Nigel. You've been listening to Series 6 of the Bible and Me podcast by Preset Ministries. If you enjoyed what you heard, we would love it if you could leave a rating or review. For more information on the inductive study method, or any of our online resources or downloads, please visit www.precept.org.uk. But until next time, thank you for listening.